Is anybody doing okay this morning? Good. That's awesome. Go ahead and pull out your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we've got one in the seat for you, and you're allowed to take that home and keep it. And you can actually reach around and take as many of these Bibles with you as you want and give them to anybody that you see fit. So you are allowed to do that. Uh, So pull out your Bibles, open up to John chapter 1. That's where we're going to be this morning. John chapter 1. And pull out something to take notes with, just in case. Still getting over that sick thing. You're in John 1, say I'm there. Awesome. We're not going to read it quite yet, but we're going to get there soon. We are in a series this week. Um, We started last week called Jesus People. And we uh, talked last week, started this series off saying that as a church, we're believing that the word that God has given us, the word of direction that he's given us for this year is very simple, Jesus people. So he's calling us to be a people that are simply marked by Jesus, nothing else. And I want to be a church marked by nothing else. I want us to, as we go through our families, our workplaces, our lives, what does it look like to just be marked by Jesus? What if people looked at us and the only thing they could say is, oh, it's, a, it's just a Jesus person. I don't know. They, they do Jesus kind of stuff. So that's my prayer for us this year. And that's pr- my prayer for me, that in, in our everyday lives, in our workplaces, playdates with kids, neighborhoods, all that kind of stuff, that, that anybody who's a part of this body and this family, that we just be marked by Jesus. I think we're being invited by God into some simplicity, simplicity of focus, just kind of back to the basics. It would just be all about Jesus. And I think when I say something like Jesus, people, we can have a tendency to, to hear that and, and think that, you know, that's fine to say in church, but in real life, let's not get too crazy, right? Like, let's talk about that in church. But I, sometimes, you know, you're like, I don't know if I want people to just think about me as a Jesus person. They, I'm not like Jesus freak. Isn't that kind of weird? Like, I don't know. You know, so I, I, don't, I don't know if, if you think about that, but it's like, let's not, get too, let's not get too crazy about that. But honestly, this year, I've just re- I'm just kind of in this place personally where I'm like, forget all of that. Forget it. I've like tried the balanced thing and it's super boring and, does, and doesn't work. And when I look at Jesus, I don't see a God that was balanced in his love towards me or balanced in his grace towards me. Like he shed 100% of his blood, gave 100% of his breath, came 100% back to life, so that I could be 100% made new and live a new life, be born again by his grace. And this balance, like the only way to make walking with Jesus boring, I've found, is to try to like do it balanced. That's the only way this thing gets boring. So personally, I'm like, whatever. People can think what they want. I need Jesus, man. And if you're here this morning, you're like, that's cool for you, but I don't know about for me. I just want to come to church. It's too late. Like I've been praying for you a lot all week. We had people in the nursing room slash prayer closet before church praying for you and you're you're just in an environment already where you've been prayed for a lot that you'd have a life-changing encounter with Jesus and never be the same ever again so sorry we're not sorry it's gonna be a good year being Jesus people amen I just want to get overwhelmed by like this reckless love you know that chases me down and fights till I'm found and leaves the 99 and (laughs) so good so good we're going to have deep encounters with Jesus, so it's going to be fun. So that, that all being said, this sermon might already be a little weird for you. This service has been weird for you, but uh, I just, I think Jesus is here, and he wants to encounter us in deep, deep ways, and it's going to be awesome. So yeah, Jesus people, right? You in John chapter one? Yep. Should we get started with this week's message now? 
Awesome. We're going to read a few verses here in John chapter 1. I want to title this message. If you've got your notes out, put it at the top of your page. It's Jesus People Part 2, and we're going to call it Come and See. Come and See. Everybody say, Come and See. Tap your neighbor and tell them, Look. <laughs> John chapter 1. What are we starting? I don't even remember. Verse 35 through 42 is what we're going to read right here. All right, the next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus, as he walked, and as Jesus walked by, John said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned, and he saw them following, and he said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and they saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who had heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John, and you shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. We're going to start off this morning uh, getting really honest with each other. So by a show of hands, raise your hands if, are you nervous? Raise your, <laughs> raise your hands if you've ever read the Bible and thought it's kind of hard to connect with. Awesome. Most of us are honest in here. It, sometimes I'm with, I'm with you. Sometimes I read the Bible and it's kind of hard to connect with a story in the Bible or just the Bible in general. Sometimes it's hard to connect with God. You can read this and read a story, especially like the one we just read, and it's like, okay, great. These guys, they were on the street. They had a conversation. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know. Sometimes it's hard to connect with the Bible. And I think the reason is when we read this, when we read these stories, like they, they were written from, they, they kind of happened a long time ago, and then there's no pictures anywhere. And so that's hard to kind of imagine. So it's hard to, it's hard to connect with it because you, don't really, you can't really picture what was actually happening. Like you can't really get in the moment. And then if, there, if you do try to picture something, then what you probably picture is what we've seen on like most TV shows and movies that have tried to capture things out of the Bible. It's like a, we read a story about Jesus having a conversation with these two guys. And then in the movie, it's like three guys with like light brown hair that's oily and gorgeous and light, right, or light blue eyes and great teeth and British accents. And they are having this conversation and they're walking all great. And Jesus turns and says, what dost thou seek? And he says, where dost thou art staying? He says, come, I bid thee nigh that thee might see. And they walk. And you're like, yeah, that's kind of the Bible. <laughs> and you think, what in the world does that have to do with anything? And what does that have to do with me? And how do I get something out of that? Why is this story even in the Bible? I think no wonder sometimes it's hard to connect with the Bible. So I'm going to go out on a limb here this morning and suggest to us that maybe this interaction that we just read about, this conversation, maybe it didn't go down like it would with three British guys on a TV set. Maybe it went down more like a nervous guy on his first date. More like a nervous guy on his first date. So we get Andrew's name, and my name's Andrew, and so we're just going to assume, we're going to the assumption that the one of the two who's speaking is Andrew. Can we do that? So he, Andrew's doing the talking for his buddy, so we're going to kind of focus on Andrew, because let's focus on Andrew. Oh. So we read this story in the Bible, we, we picture a movie set, and we read this question that Andrew asks Jesus, where are you staying? And we keep on reading, because that question makes no sense. I mean, that's a really weird question to ask. 
um, it kind of seems really insignificant. I mean, it was kind of weird for Jesus to turn around and say, what are you looking for? But then that kind of makes sense because it's Jesus. And you think about Andrew, like, dude, this is your moment. This is your moment. Like God is in flesh and bone. And he just looked at you and said, what are you looking for? I mean, we just read a story during worship about a blind guy who said, like, give me sight. And he got his sight. I mean, like, this seems like a blank check type of moment. Like, what do you want from God? It's like, where are you staying? Why did you say that? Like that, that makes no sense. Where are you staying? Why would you say that? So when a guy's about to take a girl out on the first date, he's got to get himself worked up. He, you got to get ready for this, right? Any guys ever been on a first date? You had to work yourself up. Just me? Okay, three of us. Great. You got to work. You got to work himself up. So he's got to. When, when he's thinking about this first date, he's he's trying to play the whole thing out in his head before it happens so that he's prepared, so there's not like awkward silence and it's not boring and all that kind of stuff. So he's thinking, okay, I'm gonna say this and then she could say maybe one of these three things and if she says this, I'll say that. If she says that, I'll say this. And if she says this, well, then maybe I'll ask this question and then, and then she'll say that. And you kind of start just working it out. You're like, okay, we're gonna like get in the car and we're gonna drive to dinner. That's probably like 10 minutes. Okay, gotta make sure those are good 10 minutes. And then you kind of segment it out. Um, Anybody, are we getting too vulnerable here? Okay, so he got to work himself up. He's got to get the plan and he's got to think it through. And the thing is, the plan is not, getting the plan together is not the hard part because he can sit in his room by himself and think it through. There's no pressure. There's nobody else there. You can just sit down and you can think it through. The hard part is the execution. The execution is the hard part. Amen, anybody? Like before he goes to the door, he's in his car or in his room before leaving and he's thinking like, I am Justin Bieber. Girls love me. I'm rich. I'm gorgeous. I'm talented. She's blessed to be on a date with me tonight. That's what he's thinking. And he knocks on the door, and then she comes to the door, and it just all goes out the window. All of it. All of it goes out the window. The plan, the confidence, and you're just like, anything can happen. You know, all of his friends are saying, I wish we had a hidden camera. He's about to do something so dumb. Because just, it just goes out the window. I remember when I took Heather out on our first date, I was pretty nervous, and I had to work myself up. And so I kind of set one goal for myself for the date. It was just a big, one big don't. That was the goal of the date was just don't say something stupid. Like, if this date goes average, that's a win. Just don't say something stupid and ruin it. Don't make it terrible. So just don't say something stupid. So going out to the date, or I pull up, go knock on her door. She comes to the door. Actually, her friend was sitting on the doorstep with a drill. I was like, don't hurt my friend. We were friends, but so it was funny, but I was like, that's weird. So uh, we knock on the door, and, and she comes out, and I keep my cool. I say hi. I'm like kind of shaking, but like I'm cool. I'm calm and collected. And so we're walking to my car in the driveway, and I go to open up the door for her. And as I open the door for her, I just blurt out, hey, I just want you to know why we're doing this is because I like you and I want you to be my girlfriend, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> she kind of laughs and smiles like, okay, great. Gets in the car and I'm like walking around the back of my car like, really? It took you 43 seconds. 43 seconds. Like, where do you go from there? What? I'm about to get in the car with this girl now. What do we talk about? I'm like, God, please let me twist my ankle, fall and hit my head and forget this whole thing ever happened. Please take me now. I couldn't handle the pressure of the moment. 
We were there. We're walking to the car. She was there. I was there. And I just kind of said it. It just, something had to come out apparently. I just felt the need to say something. And that's what I said. I think if we understand the context of our story here in John chapter 1, we'll begin to understand uh, that I think Andrew in the story relates a lot better to Andrew walking Heather to the car than he relates to an actor on a movie set. I think he relates a lot better to me and what I was feeling in that moment because the moment that Jesus turns to Andrew and asks him, what are you looking for, is an incredibly loaded moment. It is a loaded, loaded moment. We need to remember that this story is not just a story. It's not a story that somebody made up, and it's not just a story that happened a long time ago, and you don't know anything about these people. These are real situations with real people. So we're going to go back and kind of paint the picture of this moment. Can we do that, this first date type of moment for Andrew? Andrew's living in a real world. It's not just a story. It's like, oh yeah, real person, real world. There's, there's oppressive governments. There's need for social reform everywhere you look. There's brutal wars. There's divisive racism. There's gender inequalities. It's here like any planet that you might live on or have visited one time in your life. He's living in a real world. And we know that Andrew, it tells us that he is a disciple of John. He's been following this guy, John the Baptist. And again, this might not sound like a big deal because we have the Bible. We know who John the Baptist is. We know how the story ends. But this is a really big deal because Andrew is a Jew. And Jews at this time, well, still, they have this mighty history of God moving among them as a nation and speaking to them as a way for God to speak to the whole world. And he would speak to them through prophets. But in John chapter 1, after this mighty history of lots of prophets and lots of God moving and God speaking and so many things happening, in John chapter 1, it's been 400 years since there's been a prophet, which means it's been 400 years since the people of God have like heard from God. No text back, no post like, nothing. So there's 400 years of built up like anticipation, disappointment, discouragement, questions. This is all happening. And I mean, they're supposed to be the people of God, like the people that God speaks to and shows the rest of the world what it looks like to be under the blessing of God so that the rest of the world thinks, hey, that looks amazing. We want to serve your God too. And they can't hear from him. They can't get a prophet. They can't buy a vow. And one day, here comes this guy named John. He's not known as John the Baptist, just John. He's wearing animal skins, eating locusts and honey, preaching loudly in the desert, dunking people in rivers, saying, here comes God really soon. Turn your life around. <laughs> Would any of us be out in that desert with him? Don't think so. So this guy comes out. And by virtue of Andrew being a disciple of John, we know that Andrew had really gone off the deep end with this John guy and buying into his message. He, he, he didn't just go to hear him preach. It says he was one of his disciples. So he had like left stuff to go follow this guy. He was bought in. He believed it's been 400 years since we had a prophet, but this psycho in the desert, he's a prophet of the Lord. And when he's telling me to turn my life around, I'll let him dunk my head in a river and call it baptism, whatever that means. I'll just trust him. We'll go with it. And then when he's saying, repent, the kingdom of God is coming, he, he thought like that means like, Maybe tomorrow soon, not like one day soon. He's bought into this whole thing. So Andrew's like, 
He's in the deep end on all this John stuff and prophet stuff and all of these sorts of things. And in verse 36, Andrew's coming with all this background. That's his nationality. That's the choices that he's made. This is the people that he's following. This is his belief system. And in verse 36, it says this. John and Andrew are having a conversation, and John looked at Jesus as Jesus walked by and says, Behold, the Lamb of God. Okay, Chris, come up here. Is Chris amazing? Yes. Okay, so let's hear. I'll be John, you be Andrew. This is getting weird. I didn't play this out in my head. You're my disciple, so cool. I'm like an animal skins, smelly, you know, all kinds of stuff, but you've been following me, and I've been saying, hey, I know nation. We've been waiting for a couple thousand years for this Messiah to come. He's coming soon. He's coming so soon. You should come get dunked in this river, and you do it. And I'm telling you, this guy's coming one of these days. I've never met him. I've never seen him. I don't know, really. All I know is God told me to wait until somebody, until I dunk somebody in the water and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells on them and doesn't leave. None of us know what that looks like, but that's how we're gonna know, okay? All of a sudden, some guy walks by, a carpenter. There's the guy. I don't know how long Andrew's been following John. I don't know what it's cost Andrew to follow John, but John's been building this whole thing up, and all of a sudden, one day, this normal-looking dude walks by and says, hey, bro, that's the guy. That's the guy. That's the one. That's the Savior of the whole world. There he is. Okay. I mean, what do you do? <laughs> like, okay, like this... That's the guy, yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy that we've been waiting for for generations and generations and for the last 400 years, all these guys have been telling us that he's coming and so we went to school to learn about all this stuff and about these prophecies but none of us actually believed it was gonna happen now but that's the guy, that's the guy, that's the guy. I didn't know he's gonna look like that. I didn't know he's gonna look like that either. How do you know? I dunked him in the river and the Holy Spirit stayed on him. Okay. That's the guy? That's the guy. That's the guy. And John, he says, you should go with him. And so Andrew goes. You gotta sit down. So Andrew and his buddy, these two disciples of John, they're sitting there. John has this conversation. He says, hey guys, it's time that you go with him. And they look at each other. And they look at the rest of the disciples. John had more disciples, right? I mean, when just these two looks at them, are any of you guys coming? What? And Andrew and somebody, they're like, well, I guess we go. Let's go. And Jesus just kept walking. Like, Jesus didn't come up to them and say, hi, I'm Jesus. I'm the Savior of the world. He just walked by. Like, he didn't say anything. So now Jesus is a little bit down the street, and they're like, do we, like, run? Do we <laughs> catch up? Do we shout? Like, Messiah, I don't, like, what? How do we handle this? So they're kind of like walking that awkward, like, you know, like kind of fast, but you don't want to be loud and like scare them or anything. Are you seeing it? And there's people everywhere because that's just how it is. It's like, imagine this happened in the Castleton Mall, you know, during lunch hour at Chick-fil-A. And everyone's like, dude, there's the guy. Like, oh, shoot, he just turned the corner. Like, are you sure? Should I catch up with him? It's just this moment. So Andrew gets up and he starts walking behind Jesus trying to catch up to him. And this is where Andrew starts to get the first date butterflies. This is where he starts to get the butterflies. I mean, this is the Messiah. 
and he's about to be the one out of everybody to go talk to him. When you consider the circumstances, you begin to understand that there, there must have been so much going through Andrew's head. There must have been so much he wanted to say. So many questions he wanted to ask, I'm sure. I mean, he's living in this crazy world. There's oppressive governments. There's great need for social reform. There's racism everywhere. There's wars all over the place. There's inequality everywhere. And this is supposed to be the Messiah. Like, why do I ask this guy? How do I start? Do I introduce myself? Do I recognize him? What do I say first? So he's walking behind Jesus. He's trying to play this all in his mind. Like, okay, what do you say to introduce yourself to the Savior of the world? And he has this plan, and he's ready. And then the worst thing that could possibly happen, happens. Jesus speaks first. When a guy's going to talk to a girl, that's never part of the plan. He's always supposed to start it. And so Andrew has this moment where he's walking across the room, like, I know what I'm going to say, I know what I'm going to say. And all of a sudden, Jesus turns and talks to him first. And it's like, oh, gosh. You know, it's like the guy walking across the room and he knows what he's going to say to the girl, but then her friends see him coming and they tell her, hey, here comes some guy. And she turns around and she turns around and smiles and says, hi. And he's like, uh, I'm pretty. I mean, you're Andrew. I mean, dang it. He runs back to his friends, you know. <laughs> that didn't go well, guys. She's never supposed to talk first. Jesus was not supposed to talk first. He's behind Jesus. He has the element of surprise but Jesus senses him back there because he's Jesus. And he turns, and Jesus sees this man and his friend. I don't know where they are, how far behind, in the middle of a street. There's a lot going on. But Jesus turns, and he sees this man in the middle of the road, all by himself, because you know for a fact he left the other guy behind. The guy was like, you talk to him. I'll wait. You give me the sign to come over, you know? So Andrew's strung out. He's out there on his own. He's in the middle of a street. Jesus turns. He looks back. I mean, he, Andrew's just standing there. Like, he left his friends back there. He left his mentor back there, and he had this plan. But now he's standing there frozen, and Jesus smiles, and he looks him in the eyes. And with the presence of a lion and the gentleness of a lamb, he just looks at Andrew, this guy in the middle of the road, not knowing what he's doing. He smiles and says, what are you looking for? This was not how this was supposed to go. It was not supposed to go like this. He wasn't supposed to talk first, and the Savior of the world wasn't supposed to look like that. And when he spoke, like, it wasn't supposed to sound like that. This wasn't how we were supposed to meet. This is not how I planned for it to go. And so all Andrew can squeeze out is, where are you staying? So we read this story, and we read this question. I think it's easy to look at Andrew in this story and be like, what a dumb question. What is that all about? His, really, his nerves really, really got the best of him. But the Bible says that man looks at the outward appearance, but God, he looks at the heart. And I'm thankful for that. Because on the outside, I look at this question, I think, what a dumb question. I could have asked a better question, and I'm not even that smart. But God looks past the outward appearance and he looks at the heart. He doesn't see a stupid question. He sees a searching heart when Andrew says, where are you staying? Andrew asked him, Jesus, uh, where are you staying? But Jesus knew what he was trying to say. He knew what he was trying to say because he knew the world that Andrew was living in. He knew the history that Andrew had. He knew how loaded this moment was for Andrew. He knew that he was, he was trying to say a lot of different questions and all that came out was, where are you staying? He was trying to ask who... Who are you? 
who, who are you? What are, what are you like? What are, what are you going to do? What do we do now? How does, this, how does this go down? Like, you're here. We've been waiting. Now what? what? What are you about to do? And how does this work with the Romans and all of these things in the world? And the teachers, they said this. And they like, where do we go from here? What does all of this mean? What he's asking Jesus is, are you really the one that we've been waiting for? He's asking for everybody, but he's also asking for himself. He's strung out in the middle of the street with Jesus. Are you really the one that I've been looking for? That's what I want to know. And Jesus hears this question, even though all he could squeeze out was, where are you staying? And Jesus looks at him and he just smiles again. He says, nods basically. He says, I, I know what you're asking. Just come, come and see. Come and see. I know you asked where I'm staying, but you, you may want to know where I'm staying, but you're not really asking where I'm staying. You're actually asking all these other questions, and why don't you just come and see? Why don't you come and see what's going to happen next? Why don't you come and see who I really am? Why don't you come and see if I really am the one that you've been looking for? Come and see. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, what I know is that we are living in a world where when we have questions, the world, all we get, the answers that we get are all about go and do. Go over here and do that if you want to get what you're looking for. Religion tells you what to go and do. Self-help tells you what to go and do. New Year's resolutions, keeping up with the Joneses, insecurities, ambition, every advertisement, the last guy, the next girl. It's all telling you what you need to go and do. But Jesus is different. Jesus is different. When you come with all your questions, when you come with all your, your, your questions that you don't have answers for, that nobody else has, an, has answers for, when you come to him, you're strung out in the middle of the road all by yourself. You've tried everything else. You don't know where else to go. He just says, come and see. You don't need to go anywhere and go do all of these other things. Just come to me and see. Come and see. We're talking about being Jesus people this year and and I was working on this sermon this week and I had this sermon that I was gonna preach and there was gonna be like points and it was gonna be helpful and it wasn't gonna be like what we just did right here is gonna be helpful. But the bottom line is that Jesus has an invitation extended to you today and to you this year and to you every year and every day. Jesus says, come and see. This is Jesus. If you're here in church, this is who you're looking for, Jesus. He says, come and see. And so the question is, what are you going to do? Will you come? And will you see? This year, you need Jesus. I need Jesus. More, more than what he can do for us, more than what we can all get from him, we really, truly, we just need Jesus. If it was going to be harder than that, God, Jesus would have told him to go and do something. But somehow Jesus believed that he really was it. For all of it. Just come, come and see. And the fact is, I know that not everybody in this room believes that. There's been plenty of moments in our life. I'm even a, I've been a follower of Jesus and, and not even really totally believed that it was enough to just come and see Jesus. There's gotta be some stuff I gotta do. There's gotta be more to accomplish. It can't be that simple. There's no way that God's message to planet Earth, the one time he took on flesh and bone, was as simple as come and see. 
Not everybody believes in that. And you might, you might think that, okay, that's a super churchy message, but that's not enough. And the only, the truth is in all love, like you can keep looking. You're, you're, we're allowed. We're allowed to keep looking, to keep going and keep doing, but we're always welcome to come and see. When you read about Jesus' life, you see that a lot of people kept their distance from Jesus. John had a whole lot more disciples. He didn't just tell these two guys. He wasn't keeping it from everybody else. He told all of them. That's the guy, but only two of them went. A lot of people got close to Jesus, but a lot of people didn't. A lot of people kept their distance. But Andrew and his friend decided that they were gonna go and see. They were gonna take Jesus up on this invitation. And they went with Jesus and they found where he was staying. Jesus did. He just took them to where he was staying. And the rest of the story says that they stayed with him that night. They slept over, not because they were holy, not because they knew what was gonna happen next. It just got too late to go home. So they decided, well, I guess we'll stay the night and we'll head home in the morning. They went to sleep that night just like they had always gone to sleep, just like that whole city went to sleep. Everybody went to sleep the same. It got dark. They went to bed. Everybody woke up the next morning, and everybody in that city, everybody on the planet woke up that morning the same way they had woken up every morning, but not Jesus and his friend, or not Andrew and his friend. For the first time in history, somebody woke up next to Jesus. They woke up close to Jesus. For the first time, they woke up having found what they were looking for. It was just Jesus. So Andrew wakes up and he runs to his brother's house. And he busts in the door like he had probably done countless times. Simon's probably having breakfast like he did every morning and Andrew sits down at the table probably like he had done it countless times. And, they, and he looks him in the eye and they, he, he, he needs to talk like they probably needed to talk countless times. And he and he looks at Simon across the table and all he can get out is, we found him. The one we've sat around this table talking about, wondering if he was ever gonna come, who was gonna see him, what he was gonna be, we found him. We found him. You gotta come and see. It says he takes him to Jesus. Takes him to Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and he calls him out. He gives him a new name because that's what Jesus does. We found him. I wonder if you believe, I wonder what you believe about Jesus this morning. Wherever you are, you may even be following Jesus. I'm asking the same question. Jesus, do I really believe that this is really enough to just come and see? To come and see Jesus this morning, to come and see Jesus this year, to just get close to him and believe that when I meet him for who he really is, it'll be enough for everything I've ever needed. And I wanna just invite us this morning and this year the same invitation that heaven has always extended to everybody is just come, come and see. You may have to leave some things behind like these two disciples did. You may have to do some things you've never done before, but is it worth it to give up stuff that hasn't worked to get the one thing that will? That's what it comes down to. I know it's hard to let go. I know it's hard to take the risk, but is it working? We need to be honest with ourselves sometimes. Just say, why is it so hard to hold on to this stuff? What if I could have the one thing that I've actually really been looking for? And I love that Jesus, or that these guys didn't follow Jesus with a plan. They just went and they stayed because it got late. What that shows me is they just started following Jesus one day at a time. They didn't know what it was gonna look like a few years down the road. It didn't know, they didn't know if they were gonna screw up the next time they hit that sin temptation. Well, I'm probably gonna mess up anyway, so I won't even start now. Nope, it was just one day at a time. And this year, this morning, I wanna encourage you to just, 
Come to Jesus today. Tomorrow, we'll figure it out. But today, what are you gonna do? You're gonna come and see? Or are you gonna keep going and doing? Because he really is the one that we've been looking for. I want you to stand this morning as we close. We're gonna worship one more song. And we do this every week. And this isn't just to be a part of our service. This isn't just to have a song or sing a song that we like. I really believe that in this moment, some of you had a moment with Jesus earlier. Some of you are about to have a moment with Jesus now, just in these final minutes together. As we close, I just want to simply pray that every one of us would see Jesus. Like, seriously, see him. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means for you to come to him right now, but, but if God's doing something in you, like Andrew didn't know how he was supposed to come, but he knew what he needed to do to come. He just knew. And so if there's something in your life that you need to do to come, that you need to let go of, that you need to let behind, just do it. I'm not gonna go down a list of you might need to do this or that. If God's leaning on you, you know it. And you know what it is that you have to do. That's you, what it means for you to come. We're gonna have some people over to the side to pray if anybody wants somebody to pray with them. You may need to go over and, and say, okay, forget what the crowd thinks about me walking over here. I just, I just need somebody to pray with me. I don't even know what to do. You may need to come out, to into the, out, out from the aisles. You may need to come up to the front of the room. You may need to stay right where you're at. I don't know what it looks like, but you need to come to Jesus and believe that you're gonna see him. I believe that right now, God's gonna speak to our hearts and whatever he's speaking, whatever he's doing in you, I just wanna encourage you to respond as we finish our time together this morning. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we love you and we thank you that this is who you are to every one of us no matter our background, no matter our current situation, age, any of that stuff, Lord, you come to us and you just simply offer an invitation to come and see, come and see. Because you are everything that we need. So Holy Spirit, I ask in these moments, Lord, would you show us Jesus? Come into this room, God, come into our lives. Would you touch us? Speak to our hearts. Give us a picture of you and what you're really like. And in these moments, God, would you answer our questions with yourself? Thank you, Holy Spirit.